Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today. Maui Nui is on a mission to help balance access deer populations for the good of our environment, communities, and food systems on the island of Maui. They've shared over 126,000 pounds of nutrient-dense protein with the Maui community. Secure your spot now. Become a snack subscriber and join in helping to build more resilient food and ecosystems on Maui. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I-Venison.com. And use promo code BEAR for 20% off your first order. Outdoor Adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. My name is Clay Newcomb and this is a production of the Bear Grease podcast called the Bear Grease Render where we render down, dive deeper, and look behind the scenes of the actual Bear Grease podcast. Presented by FHF Gear, American-made, purpose-built hunting and fishing gear that's designed to be as rugged as the places we explore. Did Isaac get new boots, and what's happening to Brent's feet? Wow. Wow. Let's start with Isaac. Those, yeah, are like those I new boots, Isaac? Oh, I'm I'm new boot goofing. Those are <laughs> those are different than the ones before. Look, Look at, at those. That. Holy cow! Wow, they've got some kind of metallic. Kind of looks like mallard metallic. Well, green I'll tell head. you what happened. I was at the Delta Waterfowl Expo in Little Rock, and I straight surfed across the bathroom floor. There was a layer of moisture that I hope was from a recent mopping, <laughs> mm. but I doubt, and just stopped myself by. Banging my shins right into the urinal. That you look like because I had animal. I had leather leather sole boots on. Right. So I, I went for the uh, hybrid. Oh, you I got a little some rubber sole. Little, little now, see, of, those are what we'd call rough out boots. Rough out boots. Would you yes, have known sir. that, Miss Newcomb? No, sir. Okay. So <laughs> so there's two sides to leather. There's the the smooth finish side and there's the rough out. So those would be rough out. Nice. Nice, Isaac. Now, let's talk about Brent. I, I mean, what's happening? <laughs> what happened? We, I don't know where my Crocs were. You didn't know where your Crocs were? Yeah, no. I I'm just trying these. to figure out why you own them. These I, are. Somebody gave them to me. 
Those are very popular. I'm pretty sure they they say, hey, dude. Hey, dude. They're hey, dudes. I believe they are now owned by Croc. So technically on brand for Brent Reeves. I don't know. They just, they they have a funny look with your your overalls. They're not. A funny look. You know, just. You're wearing a pair of rubber boots. Not funny, like funny ha-ha, but funny like. Let's try to make our commentary about other people a little more diplomatic. Uh, Okay. (laughs) All right. I am wearing muddy rubber boots. You're right. My feelings hurt so Mm -hmm. easily. Welcome to the Bear Grease Render. This is a this is a fantastic day. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of just looking around at the footwear. Yeah, Brent definitely wins the kind of preppy guy in the overall award. It, yeah, with those. No and then We got to skip over our guest, but he's got a nice, Brogans. solid pair of Brogan type brown boots. Misty's wearing her extra tough rubber boots, which is great. Isaac with his rough outs, and Gary Newcomb with his sportivas like, trail running shoes. Great to see everybody. We have a fantastic podcast <laughs> aligned. I would like to introduce my father, Gary Newcomb, to my right. Dad, how you been? Hey, great, 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 great. Uh, Maybe even better than great. Well, I hope you enjoyed this Hulk Collier podcast and have some insight for us. Well, uh, uh, I didn't, and I I don't. (laughs) It was just uh, (laughs) No, I'm kidding you. I liked it a lot. To your (laughs) right, Isaac Neal. Yes, sir. Assistant to the regional producer yep. of the Bear Grease podcast. Glad you got to see me today. Good to see you, man. Uh, Isaac's, uh, Isaac tells me today that he's uh, got an appointment for a new uh, tattoo. You want to share with us what that tattoo is? Oh, uh, Misty's going to... maybe yeah. give me a little bit of credit for it. Yeah, by all means. Uh, Misty's going to love this, too, because I had this idea... I like that there is some level of planning on this one. Uh, <laughs> I had it. I had the idea she... yesterday morning during church, oh, and then geez. I texted the, the tattoo artist, but I thought... Wow. Uh, I. I don't know what about church inspired it, but I just it popped into my head. You know, I want to get a possum and a raccoon, so I think I'm going to get a big possum and a raccoon on the backs of my legs. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Why? But these are like the creatures at? that that are the worst. Well, Whoa. see, that, that's what's Pro- great. Possum hey. and cra- raccoon they they eat my chickens. All that, about it. This is a great example of how perspective informs someone. Like now, a raccoon to me is one of the greatest beasts in north america yeah they eat our chickens but that is why i like chickens is because raccoons eat them that's very interesting raccoons are here first i don't know if it's appropriate well clay's got a good possum story if he if he feels oh, up wow. to sharing it I um, about that. part two i just because isaac said misty's gonna love this i want to make it clear i don't have a problem with isaac getting tattoos the thing that is really Misty's a principal, so she if, she feels I, like she could. Well, I'm gonna I'm say this saying, one time: let Misty talk. Yeah, no, please stop saying that. <laughs> but I think what makes me nervous is that Isaac gets tattoos sometimes without a lot of premeditation. And from my perspective, these are you afraid he's gonna run out of space? No, I'm concerned about these are lifelong commitments to your skin, and it's just like. How can you make a decision like that? I think he's that's so consequential. In. I think he is in. Yeah, I think and he's. We can come back to yeah. my possum story, and he, I want to hear a little bit more about why the possum. But to your, we're going to skip over our guest as we do. Brent Reeves, great to see you. Hello. And then to your left yes. is my friend Jonathan Wilkins. Jonathan, great to have you on the Bear Grease Render. Oh, thank you much. Nice shoes. Now, talking about tattoos, <laughs> I've always loved some of Jonathan's tattoos. You got a. Like is this is this okay? Yeah, let me see. Let me see. He, he's got a a beautiful rooster tail. The fish is pretty. And then a picture of your mom. Yep. How cool is that? Mm-hmm. This dog with a mustache is pretty sporty. He's got a dog with a big mustache. Let yeah. me see the dog with the mustache. Oh. Did you see the picture of his mom? <laughs> it looks yeah. like. Yeah, yeah, I saw that was one that he had that 
That was like one of the first ones I ever saw in John. <laughs> yeah, that's like 20 years old. Yeah. Wow. Did, did, it, ca- did it capture your mom in like, a, like, I mean, I assume she's aged in the last 20 years. Yeah, she was, uh, she was not crazy about it at first. Not because she was upset about the tattoo, but because she had glasses on. Oh. And she had mm. gotten LASIK. Oh. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> but, you know, now this is what she looked like 20 years ago, yeah. so she's all about it. Just color yeah. it in like you, their sunglasses. What do you think? I know that uh, LASIK has developed a lot in the last few years. Do you think there's a work. potential for LASIK on tattoos? Do you think the tattoo can get LASIK <laughs> surgery oh, uh, and correct the eyesight? Yeah, I think that's a ridiculous question. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Tattoos. Well, I was just curious how much forethought Jonathan put into his tattoos as, as opposed to our friend Isaac, who sometimes just... Are you still in the tattoo market, Jonathan? Uh, yeah, I've got a few that I... I plan on getting once my buddy opens up his uh, new shop. Yeah, I think I've I've thought about all of them for a long time, and then I went I went seven years without getting one. Oh shoot, I haven't gotten a tattoo in probably three years. Okay. Yeah, I uh, I'm cool with having weird tattoos. I just you just want to think about it. Yeah, and you know <laughs> I had some bad ideas when I was younger that I'm glad I didn't I okay. didn't go with. Mm. Yeah, I try and I try and it take feels it like seriously. a real win when like ten years later you're like I'm glad I didn't do that. I mean it feels like. You could look back on your past self and be kind of like proud of how wise you were, even in the midst of a bad decision. Yeah, like, yeah, maybe yeah, yeah. there's there's a, some conversation to be had about the tattoos you didn't get, and yeah. now how that's like a credit to you. You can make that. Any that's kind pretty of much story. the story of my life. It's it's just a constant restraint the tattoos from tattoos. I didn't get. <laughs> Brent, do you have any tattoos? Be honest. I have one. Do you really? Sinking ship. Yeah, I've seen oh, Brent. Dang, no it's, way. It's sunk. I guess. <laughs> I thought we you just had, got. I punked. thought you did have one. Yeah. one right there. Yeah. Oh, and it was an undercover tattoo. Let me see. It's Batman in the middle. Can you see? No it? way. Did you really get that while you were undercover? Yeah, and it's Batman, the bat symbol right there. So wow, Brent, what a commitment! Undercover that, tattoo. For as good of friends as we are, Brent, I'm. I've never seen your arm up that high. Well, I don't. I don't like showing the white parts of me. Any, you know. Anyway, um, moving right along. <laughs> tattoos. <laughs> Gary, you don't have any tattoos. I know <laughs> no, that. No, no. Gary, you want to go with me on Friday? No. The new uh, no. Yeah, Matt, you could get a possum and a coon. Yeah, well, I'll get the in. possum and you get the coon. <laughs> He's a Black Panther man. If you know, when I, was, uh, when I was young, we used to joke around about, you know, getting the one tattoo, like, in a place where no one else would ever see it. And a few of my buddies did. But back then, t- tattoos, you know, people just didn't get them. Like, the real rebels got tattoos. I didn't know anybody with tattoos, so I Did guess I didn't know any rebels. When he was in the service. Yeah, that's right. No, I mean, you know, I mean, I didn't go around looking at people. Did but... Houston Millsap <laughs> have tattoos? You know, the World War II guys had uh, anchors and yeah. mom and stuff when yeah. they came back, but Houston, Houston, I, Houston is, had is my grandfather. On my <laughs> he had mom's a tattoo. Side. I didn't know about it. Anybody was thinking tattoos, I wonder about their stability. <laughs> There's two primary, three prime examples. <laughs> now that I've alienated <laughs> one, two, three people it's in the room. Three on three here. It's uh, really Newcombs versus... Tattoos. Yeah. Okay, yeah. let me... I, well, okay, Isaac, why the possum and coon? I just like the idea of the meso predators getting some love. Wow. So you're okay with a tattoo that has that little meaning to it? What do you mean? Why do they have to have meaning? I mean, uh, that's what I'm talking about. That's yeah. great. It's okay. I like a raccoon. I like a possum. I like a grinner. Could could like we put some meaning on it? Oh, that by all this means. period in your life while you were, you know, yeah. In, in, For part, me, the tattoo will always mean that uh, at this 
point in my life I was thinking about getting a possum and a raccoon tattooed on me. Is you that just enough? Want to remember that? Yeah, I don't know. I like. Okay, I, I, it feels very Ozarkian to me. So the, here's the possum story. I've it's told a good this. One. I've told this twice this week, and it wasn't told originally to be funny. It was literally told as a means to explain to the people in my house and the man that was staying in our barn why something happened that potentially they saw. And just to be just totally disclosing, it's not like we often have men just staying in our barn. Like, that's not a... We didn't find him out there. Yeah, we didn't find no, him out friend, there. It was a friend of mine. We have a place for the people to... Yeah, stay, exactly. Stay so exactly. the, other night, the other night, I hear, uh, I hear dogs barking, and I don't tolerate barking dogs, and so I they wake me up, and I think they're going to stop shortly. They don't stop. They continue to bark, 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 and it's Jed and Tim. Tim the squirrel dog, Jed the coon dog. They bark so much that finally I get up and I'm angry. And usually I just lift the window in the bedroom and, oh, you ought to hear me, my dog scolding voice. It'd scare a child. Often the dogs um, don't wake me up, but always the dog scolding does. Yeah, and so... Mm. I wasn't, I was so fired up. I wasn't even going to just open the window. I was going to go downstairs and go on the front porch and scold the dogs, you know, just like, hush. And, uh, but about halfway down the stairs, I realized they're not just joy barking. They're treeing something. Like, I'm like, they're looking at something. Wait, can we pause this real quick? I got a question. Sure. Can we do a how-to video on how to scold a dog the, in the yes. middle of the night? Yes. Continue. Just log it. I'll, I'll, I'll make a, a note. There's a way yeah. to do it that works. Yep. And a dog and an animal can read intent. Yeah. So I've got another story about that, too. Um, <laughs> the uh, So I walk outside, and I think, those dogs are treed. And so I go from anger to a little bit of excitement. <laughs> I wonder what's in the tree. So I walk out, and sure enough, I see Jed and Tim just treeing on one of our apple trees. And I know that they're looking at something. And I'm like, what's in the tree? And I happen to be in my underwear and barefoot. And, there, and we uh, happen to have a guest. Yeah, so there's a my buddy is staying over in the barn. So the window of the barn looks right over the apple orchard. Well, yep. I've got my coon light on. Yep. And I walk out in the grass <laughs> barefoot in my underwear and go and start circling this apple tree looking for what's in the tree. Just want to pause so that everyone's got this. Coon hat, coon light, drawers, no shoes. Yes. Okay. And so I I look up in the tree, and there's a possum about 12 foot up in the tree. And the dogs are just looking at it, just treeing this possum. Well, I decide that the only way I'm going to get rid of this possum, and, you know, we possums are bad news on this farm. So I was going to shake this possum out. I'll just be honest with you. That's what I was going to do. I shook the apple tree, and nothing fell but apples. And so I think, man, if I can just crawl up this tree a little ways, I can grab that limb and I'll just, yeah. I'll just shake that sucker down. And so there's a fork in the tree and I reach up and grab the tree and I go to climb in this apple tree. Now, remember, I'm in my underwear and I have my sunspot coon light, which are going to be for sale on TheMeatEater.com soon. For real. You can get a coon light just like me and Brent have. That's right. Best light in the world. I've got it on. And I go to climb in this apple tree barefoot, and I get like way up in the top of this apple tree, and the possum just disappears into the stars. Like, I don't know where he goes. This isn't a big apple tree. Flew all. He's but a by the time possum. I get up there, I once heard someone tell a story about how that they, that like a slick tree, like when a dog trees and there's nothing in the tree, that like the animal escaped into the stars and their dog was still there treeing. 
That's what happened. I get up at the top of the apple tree. I cannot find the possum. I, I, I don't know what happened to him. Well, so I decide that I've got to get down from the tree, and I don't have my contacts in, and I'm barefoot. I don't know if you ever climbed an apple tree barefoot, but my foot is crammed down in the crotch of this tree so deep that I can't get it out. And so I'm like hanging, and I feel like I've got to like jump backwards just to land. And my foot is stuck in the crotch of this tree, and I think I'm going to come out out of this tree backwards, and my foot is going to stay in this tree, and I'm going to break my ankle in this apple tree. And so I basically I just have this big kerfuffle coming out of the tree. Oh, what? And uh and I finally I feel like I'm like 8 foot off the ground and I finally just go I got I'm just going to have to go up and then back and just like jump out. And when I go up and back and jump out, I was like 6 inches off the ground. <laughs> <laughs> and then I kind of shined up towards where the 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 window was where my buddy was staying to see if he was watching me he wasn't and then i just walked back in the house and the dogs were happy with that they never saw the you know the possum didn't come down they to just my needed knowledge. to know but the dogs were just like yeah that's good enough we're, after, we're good now. after they saw the show so you're telling me about this magic animal that can ride off into the stars and you're like why would you get a tattoo of that creature and yes. i'm like why wouldn't you get plus, a tattoo of that creature it's smiles. <laughs> hey, plus it smiles yeah possums Brent, I've got another story for you that I haven't told you. Later. I had to leave my dogs out overnight this week. How come? Well, I went on a coon hunt, wasn't planning to go, didn't have everything charged up really great because I hadn't been in a while, and I plugged it in for the last hour before I, before dark, and I went out, and I took Fern, Jed, and Hoot, the pup Hoot, and uh, we went and treed, and they treed in a spot where I don't think they had the coon. I couldn't find the coon, but it was thick and viney. Yeah. And, Could have been there. And so we made a big loop and came around on the other side of the property, and the dog's fern's collar went dead. Jed didn't have a collar because I only have two collars right now, and Hoot stayed with me. So Fern and Jed go off, and Fern's collar dies. And I'm up at the foot of this mountain, and I hear, like, I can't hear the dogs. And finally, I stay there for like 45 minutes or an hour. I can't hear the dogs. And I walk back to the truck like half a mile, and I can hear Fern treed way back in there. But I don't have – the collar is dead. Yeah. And uh, – He was old school in it, man. And then when I walked towards her, when I got to the foot of the mountain, I couldn't hear her. And I can't course a dog because of a bad ear. So three different times I tried to walk to her. And never could, like, I, I would just start walking to her, and I would lose her, and then I'd come back. Like, the way the truck set, you know, I could hear. And finally, at 2 a.m., I just left. And I left her treed. I could hear her treeing. I mean, like, a mile, you know, three-quarters of a mile away. I could not find her. Came back at daylight, and uh, she wasn't there. And long story short, about 10 o'clock, they showed up at the farmer's house I was hunting on. So, that's my story. I mean... If you were using the Leon Boyd technique, you would have never lost them. Stayed with them. Stayed with them. Just em. take off sprinting. Yep. Looked like a fallen star. Man, you just got to make it a habit. As soon as you get home, really, I don't care if it's oh. 9 o'clock at night or 9 in the morning. As soon as you hit the house, you got to put that stuff on the charge because I've been right it. there with you. I know it. And the um, whole deal is you go it to that dog to get out there because she went and did what you wanted her to do. Yeah. And you got to go to her. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about Holt Collier, but before we do, uh, Brent, 
Mm-hmm. Brent pulled something out of his pocket today that shocked me. Brent, what do you have in your pocket? What do you carry in your pocket? And tell the story behind my it. whole pocket, all everything, or just this well, one item? Maybe two. Well, I took two pocket knives and chapstick and a buckeye. And this buckeye I've had since the first meeting you and I had. We went on top of a mountain on a bear hunt. We were we were sightseeing at that time, and there was a bunch of buckeyes up there. And I asked you if you knew about buckeyes being good luck for hunters, and you said no, you hadn't heard that story. Oh, Gary, now that's not true, Gary. Mm-hmm. I blame you for that. No, that is an outright that, lie that I reject. <laughs> we carried buckeyes our whole. You're the one that taught me that was a kid. That part of the story is not true. That but part may carry have, on. That part may not have been true. Anyway, I said the only way these can be good luck is if you one hunter gives them to another. Now that I wouldn't have known. And you said, "Well, here." So I handed you one, and you handed me one, and this is the one that you gave me, and I've carried it in my pocket every day, where everywhere. Well, if I, when I get up, if I leave the house with my britches on, unlike you know the possum <laughs> do, I've got this buckeye in my pocket. Uniform back when I wore a uniform. If I'm going to church, whatever, I've always got that. That's Buckeye. impressive. That, that is impressive. That long. Yeah, undercover. No, you were that undercover was before that, wasn't it? Correct. But I had one then because my dad had given it to me, and I had we exchanged them my whole life back and forth, and they were just absolutely turned to to dust. Impressive. And then you have a a, a quarter that your wife gave you. Uh, it's a dollar. Okay. It's one of those. Uh, Was it Sacagawea dollar? Okay. And she said, you know, it would help me find my way back home. I always be able if I'm in the woods, it would help me get home. So I carry that in my pocket too. Jonathan, would you have the wherewithal to keep up with something for like ten years a buckeye? I wouldn't. Uh, I'd probably not. No. So if I'd given you a buckeye ten years ago, you'd have probably lost it. Threw yeah, I'm not as romantic as uh, <laughs> <laughs> you threw it away. <laughs> yeah. Nuke, I've got a pretty good Buckeye story. Okay. So we, Clay wanted to plant all native plants out here when we first moved out here. So we planted some Buckeyes and the girls were really fascinated. If you've ever seen how a Buckeye grows, it's pretty interesting. Right now they're all spiky and then they fall down and we would just, our girls, even River came home last fall and she just like instinctively just started collecting them all and put them in a vase in our our living room, they just always would carry them around. River was a real funny girl. We would go places and I, Willow would always be focused on getting getting the job done, getting from point A to point B. River, you would turn around and she would be about a mile behind us just picking things up, seeing all sorts of things that we missed along the way and putting them in her pocket. So every time I did her laundry, I had to empty out, you know, <laughs> two pounds worth of, yeah, of interesting things. River. That don't surprise well, me. She was real fascinated with those Buckeyes and she would keep them in her pockets and you know, I don't know why people do this, but I get uh, real testy around people who narrate the potential doom that could come, that's really unlikely, but could happen. And someone said, as we were putting River in the car, hey, don't let her swallow that. It's poisonous. <laughs> and, and I remember this is a buckeye the size of like half the size <laughs> yeah. of a golf ball. Mm-hmm. Yes. The poison like may not, not be what kills her. Yeah. It's not really a swallow yeah. hazard. It's yeah. not. Yeah, but yeah, I was a young mom, and I was like, why would you even put that thought in my head? And yeah. River was real little, and we we put her in the car, and we drove off, and we were going to meet. Clay was actually behind me. We had two cars, and we were meeting, meeting somewhere, and I, I had River in the car. I had my mom in the car. I had Willow in the car. We're driving, 
And River's just playing. Every time I look back there, she's just playing with this Buckeye. And once I look back there, and she doesn't have the Buckeye. And I said, hey, Riv, where's your Buckeye? <laughs> and she looked, and she she got this, like, real... She's like, she's like three or four. She, yeah, and River talked real funny. She had some things going on with her adenoids, so she had a real deep voice. And she just got really, like, scared looking, and she looked at me, and she said, I swallowed it. <laughs> and I was like, no, you didn't swallow it. And she said, I swallowed it, Mom, I did. <laughs> and all of a sudden, she started, like, panicking in the car. Yeah. And, of course, my mom and I are looking at each other, and I called Clay. He was behind us. River swallowed a Buckeye the size of a golf ball. (laughs) River may have just swallowed a Buckeye. Are they really poisonous? I mean, should I go straight to the ER? Do we have some time here? I didn't know, like, all that. So we pull over, (laughs) and Clay walks over there, and we sit with River up, and everybody's looking in her mouth and looking, and we sit her up, we set her up, and boom, in her car seat is a big old Buckeye. (laughs) And she had just lost track of it and remembered that we yeah, had been so, warned. Yeah. So she she wasn't lying. She just thought, like, she was yeah. like, I've where, mapped it out. Where is the Buckeye? It's missing now. I must have swallowed it. That's the danger thing. was. And she looked at us, oh, there it is. The same thing will happen to you with boiled okra. If you swallow it too fast. <laughs> you forget it? No, it'll be in your chair when you stand up. Oh. <laughs> uh, Hey, we have just a few more housekeeping things to do here. On the last Bear Grease render, I I put my mule up for sale. And when I did this, I thought, this was a great idea to sell stuff on the Bear Grease Render podcast. And so we're actually starting an official Bear Grease Bargain Barn section <laughs> of the Bear Grease Render. And, if, and this is for real. If you have something for sale... Now we're not guaranteeing that everybody that writes in is gonna is gonna get their item put up for sale. We need premium items. It's I have true. a bow for sale. Okay, well that'll be the first one. Um, but so basically, we're, every every week we're gonna have the Bear Grease Bargain Barn where we're gonna we're gonna sell about three items, and you can email your item to beargrease at themeateater.com. and I. I will not be monitoring this email address, but someone will. And it's got to be for real because we're going to put your, your, you have to have a social media handle because that we don't want to put a phone number or an email. We're not going to be, be playing matchmaker. That's right. We're just, we're putting it out there. This is what's for sale. Yeah. Read so a little we're, bit not, of the email. we're not involved in the sale. We're not involved with money. We, we take zero liability for, uh, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> for anything that could possibly go wrong with this. Yeah. Um, and but we're looking for for real stuff that needs to be sold that you think would be a benefit Mules. to our listeners. What do you think, Both. Jonathan? You think this is going to work? Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, I guess <laughs> it could <logistics>. work. <laughs> like, w- what if you had a duck boat that you needed sold, and you could get it in front of a bunch of Bear Grease podcast listeners, or some eagle feet, pot belly stove? Well, I mean, one of those would be illegal. Okay? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you've got a. You've got a great listenership, so I'm sure that you could, you could make a few shekels. Well, I mean, it's not we're not making money. It's not it's not about we're, us. We're doing a, a public that's, service. That's what, that's what you're saying. We're right facilitating. Now. Okay. We're, I mean, no, okay. We're not, like taking a. Oh, you think we're going to move into like taking a cut? Well, I mean, how hard is it to start an Instagram account? <clears throat> you know, someone named Blay Bookum. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was uh, selling raccoon baculums. There yeah. you go. There you go. Okay. Okay. This well. Is, 
This is, you're, you're saying this is a way of fencing his ill-gotten gain. Oh, maybe not ill-gotten. I don't, I don't think he's poaching coons. But okay. I think there could be an illicit trade and okay. lie. <laughs> we finally get rid of all okay. those bear but, gallbladders we got stuck there. Uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> FBI Have you told Bear about this? No, no, I haven't. <laughs> so th- this is for real. It's going to be called the Bear Grease Bargain Barn, and there will be a, a short segment on the yeah. Bear Grease Render. And so you can email what you have for sale to beargrease at com. Yeah. And we're not, we can't read everybody's stuff, yeah. stuff, but stuff that we feel is appropriate. And, you know, tell us what it is. Give us, give us the whole sales pitch and be ready for some people to come knocking on your door. What, one of the All things right? we'd like to see is in the subject line of the email, Bear Grease Bargain Barn, BGBB, something like that. Yeah. And then really sell us on it. Yeah, yeah. It needs yeah. To, it. It needs to be a good ad. We yeah. we need uh, some effort. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna facilitate a sale, make it entertaining. Yeah, yeah. like let me just put it out here. Broken clothes dryer. We putting that up? Probably not. Now, no. Pontoon boat turned into a tiki bar. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good example. Wood fired cook stove. Mm-hmm. Old uh, gas tiller for the garden. Yeah. How much are we selling that for? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> See, I, 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 we're, we're getting it going so, now. So, uh, yeah, we just we just kind of want to facilitate some stuff because because I uh, I put my mule up for sale the other day, and I had a few a few bites, few nibbles, um, but I'm actually kind of slandered the mule a lot. I didn't slander the mule. That's why I can never be a, a mule trader because I'm 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 too honest. Miss Nukem. Okay. It, 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 it's, it's hard to sell a mule if you tell the truth every time. It's real hard. And so that's the reason I've decided to keep Banjo. And um, I've got a guy, <laughs> my friend, Michael Lanier, uh, my squirrel hunting mentor. And uh, he was on uh, Meat Eater Season 10, I think, with Steve Ranella yep. and me. And we squirrel hunted. And uh, Michael has found me uh, a guy here in Arkansas that will keep him for 30 days and basically ride him. So that's Ooh. a thing you do. If you have a mule, Jonathan, you could pay someone. It's not, it's, he's not training the mule because I mean, the mule has been trained to some degree. It's kind of like sending your kid to boarding school. Yeah, it's just keeping them worked out. Right. And so, but what, like a mule what most guys that ride Obedience mules training. for a living. Listen, it's actually a pretty good business model. And if things don't work out for me in outdoor media, I would consider doing this. Um, is uh, you charge like I'll just tell you this guy is going to charge six hundred fifty dollars to ride that mule for thirty days, and do the math. If you had even let's say seven or eight mules for a month, and you're only, and you're getting paid six hundred fifty bucks, you know that's several thousand dollars of income per month. And all you would have to do, and you don't ride it every day. You ride it like five days a week. So they'll guarantee you, you know, they're going to ride the mule like 24 times or something. Sure. For like 30 minute segments. It's not like they're going to ride it all day. They're just going to saddle the animal, work the animal, ride it, unsaddle it. So if you woke up every day and you had to ride eight mules, I mean, an hour a mule would be eight hours. It's a good, honest mule man's work, day of work, you know. So. I have backup plans for my I, career. I think that you could really kickstart your uh, backup career uh, by 
just going and riding people's mules and then invoicing them on the back end. That's a good idea. Don't wait for them to send you yeah. a mule. Just find a pasture with a mule in Jump it, the fence. hop on it, send them a bill at the end of the month. That's a good idea. Yeah, that's the mule story. That's the Bear Grease Bargain Barn story. Uh, we've covered we've, we've covered a lot. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? Give the moms in your life an Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. She'll love looking back on these memories and seeing what you're up to today. Even better, with unlimited storage and an easy-to-use app, you can keep updating mom's frame with new photos, so it's the gift that keeps on giving. And this is not a joke. Juju Nukem has an Aura frame, and we share photos and they're incredible. Also, my mother-in-law has one. We have them. They truly are really good, really high quality. The Aura frame is easy to set up. It takes just two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. It also adjusts the display depending on light levels in the room to maintain the true color of your photos. For real, the digital screen is amazing. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame when you use code BEAR, B-E-A-R, BEAR. That's AuraFrames.com. Use code BEAR at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Whitetail Institute launched the Food Plot Revolution in 1988 with a concentration on research and real-world testing of forage products specifically for whitetail deer. Whitetail Institute's research and development team of agronomy experts provide effective, personalized service. I've been using Imperial Whitetail Clover for a long time in a food plot back behind my house. In 2007, I killed the biggest buck of my life over an Imperial Whitetail Clover small quarter-acre food plot. Imperial Whitetail Clover is the only clover scientifically developed through years of selective breeding. Clover Extreme Genetic Stability provides extreme cold tolerance, disease, and drought tolerance. It really does. Clover is coated with Whitetail Institute's Rain Bond, a polymer coating added for enhanced seedling survivability. They have an exclusive offer for Bear Grease listeners, 15% off Imperial Clover when you use the code BEAR at whitetailinstitute.com. That's whitetailinstitute.com and use code BEAR for 15% off. Sport Dog is the most recognized brand in the hunting dog training industry. Born in 2003 in Knoxville, Tennessee, Sport Dog was forged by a passionate group of hunters and dog trainers who intimately understood the challenges of the field and the special connection between hunters and their dogs. The people at Sport Dog know that having a well-trained hunting dog is more than just having a reliable partner. It's a commitment to their safety and unlocking their full potential. The Sport Dog promise to customers is simple. Gear the way you design it. Every product Sport Dog builds is meticulously designed and rigorously tested in the field, ensuring it withstands the toughest conditions you and your dog may encounter. Trust Sport Dog, where innovation meets passion, to elevate your hunting experience and strengthen the bond with your local companion. Using tracking equipment on my squirrel and coon dogs is extremely important to me. To track my squirrel dogs, 
and my one old coon dog that's not very good. Get 20% off your first purchase using the code BEARGREASE. Go to www.sportdog.com slash BEARGREASE to learn more. Jonathan, Black Duck Revival. Jonathan is Black Duck Revival on uh, on Instagram <laughs> and your business. Tell me about your... Uh, Jonathan you is... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jonathan is Black Duck Revival. <laughs> Is that not a good way to it say kinda, it? It kind of sounds like you said Jonathan is black, Duck Revival, but that's, that's funny. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know if I stuttered. I think I you know. did. You just kind of, you were slow in getting it out. And so it okay. was like, what's Clay saying it's right now? It's not untrue. It is, I mean, it is okay. true. You're, you're remaining honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell me about, tell me about your waterfowl outfit. Huh? Oh, it's, uh, and the classes and what you do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, told this story it feels so many times lately uh so some years ago i bought an old church in a town called brinkley arkansas over in the the opposite side of the state in the delta and uh, refurbed it turned it into a a lodge and then i started doing these uh these kind of curated hunt experiences where folks come out uh, we go hunting for a couple of days do small groups i cap the hunts at five people uh, and then we spent a couple days hunting and just going into depth about like whole bird processing. We look at like wax plucking, dry plucking, mechanically plucking birds. Uh, we do cooking classes and demos. Uh, you know, I'm real big on like whole bird usage. So that's, you know, cooking the innards and using the feet and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and, you know, it's got a bunch of like Southern heritage stuff wrapped into it. So, yeah, I've got. I've got a handful of spots left for this season on that. So it's during duck season and goose season. And yeah. You have people come in and you host them at your lodge. You feed them and you take them duck hunting and goose hunting. Yeah. And then yeah. and then you teach them how to handle the ducks, handle the geese, cook them. And I mean, it's like a it's it's a it's yeah. a class, an immersive experience. Yeah, we call man. it. Uh, yeah. So would you would you be upset with me if I basically copied your model for coon and squirrel hunting? Go for it, man. Squirrel, uh, what do we call it? Uh, gray squirrel revival. I don't know. You'd have to you'd have to, you know, secure large blocks of private land because you can't guide for that stuff on public land in Arkansas. What about uh? You could shift. You can't, to- you can't guide for squirrel hunting in Arkansas on public land. It's a uh, fish only. On public land. Really? So there's no public land guiding in Arkansas? As far as I understand it. Yeah, I've just never thought about it because no one guides for squirrel. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for a long time you could do it. Uh, you do it for ducks, but they shut I that. Thought, I thought it, they shut it down just for ducks because of the pressure that waterfowl areas have from outfitters and stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, mean I, I, I'm, I'm not saying I know that. I'm just saying I, I did not know because I actually had, if the if if the outdoor media thing didn't work and then the mule training thing didn't work that was option three what about a squirrel god what about flashy mule revival and then you train mule skinners man i'm probably not that good you don't have to be that good you just have to get good if he was real good at it, he wouldn't you just have to be good, good once yeah get him in get him yep. out so back i think to part of jonathan's <laughs> I, I think part of the draw that's missing with the gray squirrel is just how how beautiful it is when I, the videos you've gone, was it you yeah. and bear or yeah, you I and took Chip? The boys. 
to, yep. to your lodge. Shep and Bear, it's yeah. really a beautiful, neat place. Oh, thanks, man. And when you yeah. see the birds flying above you, I mean, that was that was kind of amazing. Just yeah. a really amazing, amazing experience to. It was. I have two comments. Okay. One is Gary just raised give his me, hand. Give me the six hundred and fifty bucks and just keep your mule out here because it ain't gonna work. Okay. Ooh. Number two. Oh, you don't you don't think it's no, worth me man, sending it to the guy? No, man, that's a con job. Yeah. <laughs> Your buddies turned on you. Okay. 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 All, right. All right. Now, and on Jonathan, didn't you do a podcast on him under Bear Hunting Magazine? Yeah. I'm going to tell you, Jonathan, you're my hero. Oh, well, that's I nice. was so impressed. If you have not heard that podcast, go back and find it. That was my favorite podcast really? ever. And I told Clay, I said, that guy right there is the stinking real deal, and I love him. And I'm telling you, I was so impressed. We were at a family reunion. You remember yeah, that? Yeah, I remember. I do. And I go, man, you guys got to find this podcast. And, and, you know, you explained some stuff that I'd never heard before that made the world so much clearer for me. And I just want to say that you got it going on, brother. Oh, thanks. Uh, uh, big endorsement. That's big yeah, endorsement, yeah. I'm sorry. Welcome to the Bear Grease Friend. <laughs> Sorry to disappoint you if you find out I'm a tattooed carny. No. <laughs> no. That's well, you know, you look around at the world today, and if what I said is true, it's we're in big trouble because everybody's got tattoos. Yeah. No, yeah, Jonathan and I did a podcast uh, a couple of years ago. Yeah, on the front porch, that yeah. long house I used to live in, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, we just we basically just talked about, race issues i don't know how we describe it i don't remember what it was, it was. Uh, we talked about the book yeah, scott yeah. geltner's book hunting and fishing in the new south that was what it was but it kind of it, it it we talked about how uh um well the the book you turned me on to it and i read it and it was a great book and we actually interviewed scott geltner who is most likely going to be on some of the later episodes isaac interviewed him um but yeah, that was a great podcast. We got a lot of good feedback from it. Isn't that where it you was, found out about Holt Collier? Well, in the book. Yeah. Yeah. In Scott's book. Yeah. That's right. In Scott's book, he he had just like a little small section about Holt Collier was in Scott's book. Yeah, for sure. I also listened to that episode driving to interview Scott, and I was like, I should do a little bit of research, right? Because it was kind of a last minute thing. You're like, hey, can you drive up and interview him tomorrow? Like, yeah. So I'm on the way there, four and a half hours. So I was like. Google, whatever Scott Giltner interview, whatever, and then it just comes up with you two, and I was like, "Oh, Perfect. for real, serendipity, number one hit." Mm. So I listened to that; it was awesome. Mm. Cool. Well, um, so we've have we thoroughly introduced Jonathan enough? Talked about his what he does. You're you're also a writer and an ambassador for some brands and the hunting space. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You possess he, a he that shall you, not be named. <laughs> you possess a van that I'm envious of. Yeah, I got the van. I'm trying yep. to spend as much time as possible in that thing. Nice. Uh got to stop making babies if I'm going to do that though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Married family man. Yep. You got two Three. I got two little girls and I got a boy coming in the middle of duck season. Oh, right on. Timing. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, that's know. the way it goes. <laughs> the circle well, of life. The circle of life. Well, great. That's awesome. Well, okay. Let's talk about let's talk about Holt Collier. Um, this so this podcast has been in the works 
for a long time. Yeah. We, I mean, I, I talked to you about this a year and a half ago, didn't I? It didn't yeah. we yeah, talked yeah. Some, about it? Some time ago, yeah. Yeah, and and it's just it's like it's been in the docket and you know, kind of how this stuff rolls out is sometimes opportunistic, sometimes strategic. Um and it just like came up in the Rolodex, the Bear Grease Rolodex, like Holt Collier, it's time. And so I was a, I contacted Jonathan I contacted Minor Ferris Buchanan. I I love his name. Like I wanted to say <laughs> yeah. it over and over. Um, How do you spell the minor? Like M I N O R. Like music. Okay. M I N O R. I've I've got questions about his name, but Minor Ferris Buchanan. Yeah. Uh, I, I I'd really like, like to know why. I like him a lot. Uh, and then Hank Burdine. So Jonathan, Hank, and Minor were the were the guests. And uh, yeah, so like, what was your uh, what was your thoughts, Misty? Oh, we'll start with yeah, you. Yeah, I I it was such a a good podcast. We were, I was actually driving with our oldest daughter across across the U.S. across the East Coast, trying to get her moved, and we were listening to it. And and I mean, it was just like every break, I was sad that there was a break. We kept really, yeah. It was it was so intriguing, and I've heard a lot about it, just as you've. But I think what I've heard mostly has been about what the next podcast will be, you know, the next two, because you never talked about the things that we've. Oh, yeah, yeah. This was just the first 20 years of his life. Yeah. Man. This is the boring stuff. Yeah, so I, but I thought it was so, it was so interesting. Just his whole life was what, just fascinating. What was, what was most interesting? Well, I mean, I just think it was fascinating just thinking about the time that he lived, like the era that he existed on this earth. Yes. And how, how, you know, who he became inside of that and uh and i i just i thought it was super interesting I, oddly i thought it was also super interesting how minor ferris buchanan the the pathway to writing this book yeah that was super random in my opinion um but that but it was just it was just really fascinating the whole just his whole life story was just so not what you'd expect yeah yeah dad what do you think i thought it was <clears throat> very good um just a lot of a lot of thoughts. Uh, let me ask this question. If he was white with basically the same story, tied in with the Hines, 14 years old, went to the Civil War, I mean, would the story be any different? I mean, it would be. It, it, yeah. I don't know that you would have paid attention to it right. had he been a white boy. Sure. So what's made this interesting to most people is that he was a black guy yeah so why was he so special and uh i think he revealed a lot of it the depth yeah. of it was just amazing yeah it was almost as good as jonathan's podcast yeah you know it just revealed <laughs> things where i don't know um it's it's just a a, a subject that i think educated a lot of people you know that um on this on this one that this podcast just tells you uh that there's just great people everywhere and this guy was one of them and he was exceptional i think because of his dna and the environment he was in just pulled everything together where he was a powerful person and and he couldn't help it i mean he was a magnet wherever he was Mm -hmm. When he walked in the room, 
I mean, you go like, here's this little shrimpy guy, but I mean, he just captivated everybody. And so racism almost was not even in the subject. I mean, in a way, I mean, it was big racism, but it was like, hey, we like this guy because who he is. We don't care what color he is. We want him to ride in the cavalry. We want him to, to guide and bear hunt. We want, you know, we want all this stuff because he's a stinking winner, and I want to be a little bit of it. I mean, that's what, that's what you feel like you see because everywhere he goes, he's – people are singling him out and just just he was and, and and that that's what i said inside of this is that you know i i i didn't and i said this to jonathan i said it to everybody i didn't want to turn this into a podcast just about race i wanted to celebrate this guy's life but i think we owe it to holt to look at it because that was the back that was the that was that the was hegemon that was the mm-hmm. dominating thing of his life was that he was a black guy in the South doing stuff that at the time, you know, just wasn't normal at all. And it, but he, he made it, it's like almost like he, from the, from the version of the stories we have, like he made it kind of look easy. And that's what Jonathan did so well was to say, yeah, this story's, you know, pretty easy to tell, but it was, it, Holt lived a very complicated yeah. life. And it was, it was a wild time. And, you know, I thought Jonathan did a good job of bringing in just like, hey, this story's not probably as simple as it sounds, you know. Um, Let me ask you this. Is, I feel like you said in this podcast that he had killed 3,000 bears by what age? Well, just in his life. In his life. I, that is wild, right? I mean, that's exceptional. Yeah. I mean, I that's know it's like than, a whole different time more than period. but. Us. Huh? Yeah, definitely. Everybody in this room combined. combined yeah. yeah. So that's exceptional. And I, I yeah, that's because I, th- I think, I think you might have actually heard Holt call your story if, even if he wouldn't have been in the, in the context that he was in. But I, especially thinking about what is about to happen in the next, I'm, I'm like foreshadowing your you next You can podcast. tell. We've already told everything that's going to happen. What are you talking well, about? Well, the like Teddy him, Roosevelt. Yeah. I mean, him I think. With Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah, him hunting with, with Teddy Roosevelt and then like a global icon and just having killed 3,000 bears. I mean, that's, when you said that, I thought that can't be, that cannot be true. Yeah. But it is true? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, so, so what you'll learn, well, maybe, maybe we've already talked a lot about that, but he, he basically had a log where he had logged 2,100 bears. And these market hunters kept records, not like we keep records today, kind of as we hunt. They kept records, like financial records, it's like taxes, okay. you know. Okay. And so he had, a, he had a log, I think, when he was at some latter part of his life, but not finished bear hunting where he'd killed 2,100 bears. And a house burned down and destroyed that log. But basically... uh they really believed that he killed 3,000 bears in his lifetime. And I mean, that wouldn't be, it's not unheard of from the market hunting, the peak of the market hunting era. Name five. But at the, at the, at the peak, no, I I can't. (laughs) I mean, I'm just saying it's not, there's people that have done that, but very few. And I mean, Boone, the thing, I think John was the one who said it to me, maybe not on the air, but like Boone did some market bear hunting, but, Boone didn't bear hunt for 30 years. Okay. Market, he, he market hunted for periods of his life. And there was a year when he killed 155 bears on the, 
on the Little Sandy River in Kentucky, and that was, you know, if he'd done that for 30 years, he would have had his, you know, more than that. But, like, you know, okay. he, he had a long, Holt had a long and illustrious career as a market bear hunter in a good part of the world to be market bear hunting. Jonathan, what did you think overall podcast? How how'd it come off? Yeah, man, I thought I, I told you on the phone, man. I thought uh I thought it was well done. Uh I was happy to be a part of it. Yeah, I mean, I do think that you know, part of what's so compelling about the guy is that it's I feel like his story is so extraordinarily multifaceted that that putting you know, putting a any sort of kind of parameters on him or trying to quantify our understanding of his motivations or everything he was doing is we're never going to get the, the full picture of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and like I said, we talked about on, on the phone because we've talked about this a couple of times on the phone the last few weeks. I think that we would know about, I think that his story would be worth telling if he wasn't black, because I think that he did so many extraordinary things. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, I mean, like we talked about before, like every 10 years of this guy's life, there's right. some He's fantastic story, wild. right? Uh, and I do think that the relationships he had with the people around him mm-hmm. are part of what's extraordinary about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually disagree a little bit with you here, Gary, and say that I don't think that, I, I don't think that it was, uh, I don't think it could fully, it, it, that because of the time, I don't think that, you know, him being black could ever be inconsequential to the way he interacted with people. Uh, something I really thought about when I was listening back to that podcast was if you think about, the, you know, the two guys or possibly three, but like the two guys that we know he killed. Right. I think that if, I think that if he had killed Southern men of standing, I don't think he would have been acquitted. Made it through. I think that I think it's the people that he took out, right? I mean, like especially if you think about uh, if you think about the uh, Freedmen's Bureau guy, right? Like, I mean, that yeah. was a that this, was a union guy. He that was detested. Nobody in the community would have liked. Yeah, I mean, absolutely detested. I mean, even to the point that if you uh, if you listen to that podcast. Uh, Hank Burdine used the word carpetbagger, right? right? Which is a pejorative, right? It's a pejorative we hear here in the South still sometimes. Yeah. But that's a holdover from, you know, 160 years ago, right? So I think that undoubtedly he was an extraordinary and exceptional outline human being. Uh, and, and we talked about it too. I think that he – I'd be – it'd be hard for me to think that he didn't have close relationships with some of these people uh you, you know some of these kind of wartime relationships like people in a foxhole type thing but i also think that he was really adept and i know you got you got schooled a little bit on mezzanine i'll just i'll just make i'll make the uh i'll make the admission that i said adapt in that podcast when i should have said adept uh, but i think he was hey, really if you talk a lot you're going to mess something up absolutely uh but i think he was really adept at negotiating his life, yeah, you know, and, yeah. and finding ways to be useful to the people around him that endeared himself to them. Uh, but yeah, I think that if he had, I think that if he had just got, if he had gotten in a fight with Hines, like 
old Hines and shot him, I think his story would have ended very soon after that. Yeah. You know, but, uh, so I think, so I think that it's, uh, like I said, man, it's so many different layers to Mm -hmm. it that it's, it's such a rich story. And that's the thing too, that makes a story worth telling, right? Is it's not just an adventure tale. I mean, this is a, this is a story that's like full of adventure, uh, full of, uh, heroism, uh, incredibly long. Yeah. Like these interactions, I mean, almost like Forrest Gump, like running into all these different historical exactly. figures yeah. and stuff, yeah. right? Yeah. But then when we start to really try and investigate the nuance of it and, you know, and, and put the real human perspective into it, uh, it, it almost reaches like a point of being hard to believe. Yeah. Yeah. For sure, man. Yeah, it's uh well Hank Burdine said it in the beginning. He said he said it's a story that you almost think couldn't have happened, but it did. And that's why it's such a great story. Is 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 he he had so many things that happened, but this the you know, where he was and who he was and this underlying thing was just so intriguing. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? Give the moms in your life an Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. She'll love looking back on these memories and seeing what you're up to today. Even better, with unlimited storage and an easy-to-use app, you can keep updating mom's frame with new photos, so it's the gift that keeps on giving. And this is not a joke. Juju Nukem has an Aura frame, and we share photos and they're incredible. Also, my mother-in-law has one. We have them. They truly are really good, really high quality. The Aura frame is easy to set up. It takes just two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. It also adjusts the display depending on light levels in the room to maintain the true color of your photos. For real, the digital screen is amazing. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame when you use code BEAR, B-E-A-R, BEAR. That's AuraFrames.com. Use code BEAR at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Whitetail Institute launched the Food Plot Revolution in 1988 with a concentration on research and real-world testing of forage products specifically for whitetail deer. Whitetail Institute's research and development team of agronomy experts provide effective, personalized service. I've been using Imperial Whitetail Clover for a long time in a food plot back behind my house. In 2007, I killed the biggest buck of my life over an Imperial Whitetail Clover small quarter-acre food plot. Imperial Whitetail Clover is the only clover scientifically developed through years of selective breeding. Clover Extreme Genetic Stability provides extreme cold tolerance, disease, and drought tolerance. It really does. Clover is coated with Whitetail Institute's Rain Bond, a polymer coating added for enhanced seedling survivability. They have an exclusive offer for Bear Grease listeners, 15% off Imperial Clover when you use the code BEAR at whitetailinstitute.com. That's whitetailinstitute.com and use code BEAR 
for 15% off. Sport Dog is the most recognized brand in the hunting dog training industry. Born in 2003 in Knoxville, Tennessee, Sport Dog was forged by a passionate group of hunters and dog trainers who intimately understood the challenges of the field and the special connection between hunters and their dogs. People at Sport Dog know that having a well-trained hunting dog is more than just having a reliable partner. It's a commitment to their safety and unlocking their full potential. Sport Dog promise to customers is simple. Gear the way you design it. Every product Sport Dog builds is meticulously designed and rigorously tested in the field, ensuring it withstands the toughest conditions you and your dog may encounter. Trust Sport Dog, where innovation meets passion, to elevate your hunting experience and strengthen the bond with your local companion. Using tracking equipment on my squirrel and coon dogs is extremely important to me to track my squirrel dogs and my one old coon dog that's not very good. Get 20% off your first purchase using the code BEARGREASE. Go to www.sportdog.com slash BEARGREASE to learn more. It's kind of wild that we all don't know Holt's name. Now, they know his name down there in in uh, Jefferson County, Mississippi. And we're going to unveil, not that it's a secret, it's not a secret at all, but there's a federal wildlife refuge named after Holt Collier. Yeah, the only one in the country that's named after an African-American. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so we're going to talk about that. They have a big stuff. festival. There's a festival uh, in October, I think that towards the end of October, uh, that they have every year down there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and you know, that's, that's, a, uh, that's probably something that happens with lots of people, right? Like the, the cloistered community around where some activity or some person was, they know about it, but you know, the broader country or world doesn't find out about it. Yeah. Uh, but now we've got the, the internets. So yeah. Yeah. He was, he was head and shoulders above everybody. Almost. I mean, his DNA, his makeup, his little 10 year old guy gets the attention of the owner, you know, Heinz. And he goes, wait a minute, this guy, this little kid, something special. I mean, his, he can't help it, man. This guy's a stinking genius. I mean, he might not have the IQ of a genius, but he's, he, he attracts people. He yeah. can do stuff. He makes things happen. Even as a little kid, they're going, what? Look at this little guy. Yeah. So he is, he is one in a big number of people that can do what he did. And because he was black, it makes the story really interesting to me. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he is... I mean, you know, I've been around people like that. You know, you walk in a room with a professional athlete and you just wonder, I mean, he must come from a different planet. I mean, he's a different species. You know, they're, they're big, strong, powerful, most of them smart. And you're like, you know, just cow down. I can't wait for him to leave the room, man. This guy's, and that's, that's kind of the way this guy was. I mean, he, he might have been a little guy, might have had a quiet voice, but he was a powerful man, very powerful. And uh, anyway, I, I love this guy. Whole no, there was definitely something throughout his entire life that was evocative for other people, right? Uh, I would say, though, too, that what I've been struck by is that I think if you really look at it, you go back to like when he was a little kid and he's 
kind of starting his market hunting, right? Because that's really kind of like a form of market hunting, right? He was hunting for the plantation. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that allowed him to really explore the extraordinary DNA, as you're referring to it, uh, was that I think he was really, I think he was really nuanced and really kind of hip to the fact that he made himself useful to the people around Absolutely. him, right? Yeah, and so and that allowed him to avail himself to opportunities that other people of his station would not have. So, uh, you know, kind of, to me, I guess if there's a sad part about his life is that I don't, I don't know that he ever fully got to realize his potential for, uh, for just himself, right? Like he had to be dexterous enough to always make it, make the society around him, mm-hmm. like need him or want him. but. I mean, that's, you know, it's like if you've ever seen Game of Thrones or something. I mean, that's like, uh, that's, that's, I mean, that's like a political game. Like, you know, this guy, I think, had the, had the dexterity of a politician, coupled with the fact that he was just consummate outdoorsman, right? He had to be incredibly tough. Uh, he had to be incredibly nuanced in all these things he did. And then still be able to, to circumvent the, uh, the norms of the time to where I, I think kind of undoubtedly he had close relationships with people uh, that you might not expect him to, right? Yeah. You know, it was natural, though. He, he didn't have to go in and go, look, I can see this game we're playing, and if I get to be valuable, then I'm going to win this game. I think it was not – he wanted – I mean, he was just like – that was part of this thing that made him great is that, you know, he, he, he just, that was natural. And it just, you can portray it as having the political savvy to do all this stuff. But I think, I think the guy was born with this stuff and that environment he was in accelerated it and magnified it where he was just a powerful person by natural gift is the way I see it. More than a calculated thing. Now, he was smart enough to have calculated it and done a lot of great stuff. But I'm not sure you can, a 10-year-old can be smart enough to go, man, if I can kill them a bunch of bear, you know. I mean, he wanted, he wanted to be helpful. He wanted, and yeah. it just ended up being a great asset And, and that's him. probably the way, I mean, a lot of us are in a lot of different scenarios too, you know, just like find, find how to, in the context you're in, right. be useful, be valuable. I think part of the endearing nature of the story is the loyalty aspect of it, that his loyalty to the different people inside of his life, even like going, he heard that, what, does anyone remember the guy's name? The, the union one? officer. What was his name? Well, the guy. The guy he killed. Allegedly killed. Allegedly killed. Captain King. He went after Captain, well, allegedly went after Captain King. <laughs> I don't know, Clay. I think he did it. <laughs> it's that sugar cane for me. <laughs> oh, the sugar cane. Yeah, the way they, they, <laughs> way they stack the cane. Uh, just like that. Anyway, so I think like you've got these stories, but then you also have a lot of different people being loyal back to him. The yeah, Texas Knights sitting out there waiting on him for during yeah. the court trial, and and you see those stories. And so I think that the when I was listening to it, the thing that that struck me was just this theme of 
of loyalty, irrational, not common for that time type of, of loyalty coming in in and all that's different what directions. Everybody gave back to him. Like every relationship, you see that loyalty coming back to him, which is unusual, mm-hmm. undoubtedly. Yeah. I, I think there's an element of what you guys were talking about. I don't think that they're mutually exclusive. This idea that like he was born with an uncanny gift. But also like when I think of a young kid, like, uh, like an abuse survivor or whatever, right. do you see how that molds their behavior as soon as like, Oh, I've connected that X and Y equals Z. So if I do this, mm-hmm. I can, whatever. I don't think that everyone thrives in that scenario. So I think that there is a natural gift there, but I think that there is probably some also learned and calculated responses. I think what's really interesting about that is um, going back to an earlier podcast, luck or providence or whatever, he has some really huge strokes of luck, right? I'm not here to paint uh, Heinz as a, as a empirically good man or a bad man or whatever. He was a slave owner. But he got pretty lucky to get a guy who could, um, it wasn't altruism that he uh, directed towards Holt, but to have an owner that might be open-minded enough to say, like, I, it, I, I struggle for the semantics here. Because well, it, there certainly could have been other alternatives for an owner to the way they treated their people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm not trying to say like that he was doing something empirically good by being less bad to Holt than another owner. That's the (laughs) language struggle that I'm having there. But like he was fortunate to have that. He was fortunate to, when he ran away to join him, like to have found his master. Like the story of him getting off, like stowing away on a boat and then getting off. Where were they? In Memphis? Mm -hmm. Is that where they were mustering? Uh I just remember the story of him, like, and then he showed up, and it's like, if I showed up in a big city, like, the odds of finding one person in that huge city, maybe there was more to that story that I missed, but there were, like, these moments of serendipity that followed him around. I think it gets back at the idea of this, like, you can't remove any one leg of this table. Like, he's an uncommonly gifted guy. He's has uncommon experiences. He you know, the fact that he's black and that changes that paradigm. Like, I don't know. I you're, think make, man, you're making some really astute points. And I think, I, think, I think what you said was well said, man, is that none of this stuff is mutually exclusive. Like, I guess I feel a certain responsibility to push back against uh, kind of a Disneyfication of his life. Right. But I, I think uh, everything that folks are, are picking up about this guy is, is there, which is why he's so fascinating because he's extraordinary. You're right. He lived through extraordinary times, extraordinary, uh, what do you call it? Luck or Providence or whatever. Uh, I think he's super savvy. I, I think that, you know, he made the most of kind of extraordinary situations he found himself in. Uh, yeah, it's, it really is. The more I think about it, the more I look into it, the more I work, you know, on research about this guy, it's, I don't think this is an overstatement. I really feel like it's one of the greatest American stories I've ever heard. Mm -hmm. He is an absolute shining example of perseverance, if there ever was one. And taking it, I don't even know if taking it 
you could accuse him of taking advantage of anything because of where he lived and and when he lived. But what he built out of that, I mean, we're talking about him today. How long has that been? 160 years ago? How many people were in the Civil War? I mean, there was like up to 10,000, I think, that black people, African-Americans that served on the Confederate side, and we're talking about this one guy. Mm-hmm. And this guy did a lot of good stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and was in some really unique places. I, perseverance is what I took from it. I can't wait for the next. What was your two favorite parts. part? What, what was your favorite Holt story in this one? Yeah, we can go around. Favorite Holt story. You don't have to, to retell it necessarily, but was there one that stood out to you? Yeah. Uh, shooting that cat, if the alleged shooting of, the, King. of Captain King. You know, I mean, that's being in law enforcement and having somebody. Now, wait a at, minute. You're the one who's all right. Wait a minute. Yeah, that's wait what I was going to say. Hold on was an outlaw. Hold on now. Here, here's the thing. <laughs> right, but, Jonathan? As long as it's not a turkey, Brent don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Having, having your fellows with you and you get in a tight spot and somebody's got your back, there's a lot to be said for that. Mm. You know, I mean, you multiply that by times 10, the situation he was in. Yeah. <clears throat> but um well and i haven't and we it haven't was just told the the third time that he like on the next on podcast two we're going to talk about the other guy he straight up killed i told about the guy he shot and wounded and told about captain king and we just like ran out of time so beginning of okay. podcast three is the dude that he straight up killed and you'll see that out of maybe bullets. it was his fault maybe it wasn't I'm going to just leave it there. Oh. So, self-defense. So, you like the idea that Holt was kind of, I mean, we presume he there was some some something of loyalty There's to loyalty. his There's loyalty. There's loyalty to be said for loyalty, mm-hmm. regardless where it's at. Favorite story, Jonathan? In now, this podcast, yeah. you got to keep it to this one. I love the idea of him being this little kid, you know, and just the thick palmetto swamps and he goes out there with some gun you know that i imagine is as tall as he is and coming back with a bear yeah yeah the long gun yeah 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 i mean i'm sure they didn't i'm sure they didn't give him you know the best gun of the time right so he's got some rough weapon and he just goes out there and he he makes it happen i just and also that's kind of that's like kind of the beginning of the spark of this extraordinary life right yeah yeah, yeah I bear. agree. You can see like, those story. formative experiences. Um, gosh, I like so many of them. Uh, I like that he wore his hat the same way his whole life. Oh, okay. I, I really, I don't know why, but that was like. Like the Ninth, ninth Texas yeah. Calvary. No. What's that Still about? Still not. Cavalry. Oh, <laughs> I, I even tried <laughs> Cavalry. Cavalry is like a biblical term. The world's coming down hard on me for for mispronouncing yeah. words re- recently <laughs> yeah uh, real hard the the hat the whole life reminds me of back to the last podcast leon boyd wearing the letterman jacket his whole life yeah i love uh, that kind of stuff yeah, yeah, so the whole, so yeah. whole wore a confederate hat with a bill flipped up how he wore the hat and that there's all those pictures of him as an old man with that yeah i, I don't know it just really you makes, like that huh? I, I did when i heard it i was like that i love that not just that he had this thing from his his youth that it was like this is this is where I fit. He These took are the a lot people. of identity mm-hmm. from that. It seems like yeah, the cab. I can't even say it. It's all good. Moving on. You did a great job. 
favorite favorite part. Okay, this is going to seem story. a little bit out of left field, but I'm going to try to explain it. The story of him, like the kids wanting to hear stories from him and yeah. him yeah. being like, yeah. I love it. go get me an orange knee high and a plug of tobacco. First of all, I don't partake in either of those, but I want to start now. <laughs> Are those on the same moral plane with you? Tobacco no, no, I just don't. And, uh, orange knee high? Honestly, orange knee high? hot take. I think that soda might be worse for you than tobacco. I'm saying oh. it. I'm saying it. Surgeon General, come fight me. Um, but check this out. I love it because I think this gets back to something that is maybe a little bit of what you're talking about. But this, uh, and I'm pointing at Gary. Um, this idea of his indwelling, like innate understanding of his value, like identity, is one of the the biggest struggles for people and if you know your identity and your value it is going to determine a lot of how your life goes and for him to be like an old man and be like i got something you want you got something i want go get your pennies together get me an orange soda and a plug of tobacco and i will give you everything you want and i i don't know i i just love that it's not um it is not what we would necessarily expect or Uncle whatever Holt, but they yeah, call them. yeah I, I don't know it's just like such an endearing like yeah that squares I'm in it. it uh, that story of all the stories that minor Ferris Buchanan told, it felt like he was most proud of that one because that wasn't written in an article that wasn't written down somewhere in some place on the internet. Like he, he searched that one out when he met this guy from that had moved to Los Angeles. Yeah. Which was interesting of itself too. This guy had moved to Los Angeles, lived his whole life, was an old man out there. And was coming back to Greenville, and that's where Miner met the guy. And it's it's kind of Holt seems so far back there. Like when you think of someone when being you say born Civil War, before the years. Civil War, and to think that Miner Ferris Buchanan, this guy, I don't know, Miner's probably in his sixties, talked to a guy that knew Holt Collier that yeah. sat on his porch in Greenville in the nineteen thirties, and Holt was cracking knee-high sodas. I mean, I guess they had glass bottles back then. Wouldn't have been an aluminum bottle, right? Correct. Um, it, it, you know, it just, it just, it's just like, wow, this really wasn't that long ago. And then when you realize that, you can say, wow, it wasn't that long ago that, you know, heck, all this wild stuff was happening in this country. But that's a great story. That was a favorite story of mine, too. Do we go further in depth to the Teddy Roosevelt, Teddy Bear story in future episodes? You're the assistant producer of this podcast. Shouldn't you know that? Of course we do. Okay. I'll, I'll hold my next question then. <laughs> <laughs> no, we go into a lot of detail in it. Okay. I, I didn't want to, like, if, if storytelling were up to me and just like everyone, like if y'all were all in my living room and I was telling you the whole college story, I wouldn't have. I, I wouldn't have told the punchline at the very beginning. But the bad thing about podcasts and people listening that don't have to listen to you, that's the reason I like Misty so much, Yeah, is she has to listen to me. Because you talk over the top she of She has it. to act like <laughs> she's listening to you. Like I'm like, Misty, look at me in the eye. I'm going to tell you a story. And I would drop the punchline at the very end. I would tell all this stuff about Holt Collier, and then I'd go, and then he got a Teddy Roosevelt. But... The way you have to do it, this, because yep. Steve Ranella gave me some great advice early in Bear Grease as he said, don't bury the hook too deep. He really did. Yep. Don't bury the hook too deep. Good so advice. you kind of have to 
tell people what you're going to tell them early. So later we will talk more about the teddy bear. Dad, favorite favorite whole car story. Well, before from this I episode? do the favorite story, I, you know I did not like the knee high chewing the back of story because really? I have so much respect for this guy. I'm thinking he was trying to teach these kids a lesson or he something. He just wanted to chew he, tobacco. He had, he had plenty of money. Why would? Why didn't he have chewing tobacco? Well, you're going to learn a lot about Holt Collier. Okay. In the next couple of episodes, I was disappointed in that. Well, he wasn't with. a saint. Let me okay. just put it that way. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, are you saying that? Right, you Jonathan? can tell from what I said. You know, my appreciation has a lot of depth to it, and the depth is. He pulled all the, and it might be contrary to, to what Jonathan thinks, which I respect his view more than mine, but those people loved him. I mean, I'm telling you, the Hines loved this kid. I mean, they went to, they, they went to a shootout with him. I mean, they, they got out and said, hey, you won't let the kid ride with this buggy? Let's duke it out. Isn't that true? That's right. That's I mean, right. He, he said, that's let's, story we're told. I, I think so much of this kid, come on, he's riding, I'm going to whoop your fanny. Then, when he shoots that guy, I mean, he was protecting Hines, wasn't he? Right, that's right. So, I mean, this love was like father-son almost. I mean, he loved this kid. And this kid loved everybody. He loved his cavalry people. The cavalry people loved him. I mean, I'm telling you, this guy was so deep and complicated, and it all came natural i mean this guy once you say he's a criminal it's kind of shooting a hole in my stuff but i think you know he was smart enough to plot some of this stuff out but his six buddies didn't and, come up there hey, oh yeah no keep they, going they, you know they I didn't come wanna... up there for any other reason than they love this guy and see and and i'll 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 speak for jonathan and i have talked a lot i that's why this story is so complex and interesting because basically, and we don't even have to get into this, but I hear what you're saying, but what Jonathan, I think so skillfully did, and, and, and there's no solution. It's not like he's we right and you're know. wrong. It's yeah. Jonathan introduced the word to me, binary. There's not, it's not black or white, but like, how could, how, you know, it, it really, I, I don't even necessarily, we, we kind of got to close it down to some degree, but, you can say he loved him, but he also enslaved the guy. You know, that was so, normal. And that was that's normal. A, hey, that's I'm going to disagree with Jonathan. This 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 deal is black and white to me. You got a <laughs> stringly diff, uh, gifted kid that loves people and wants to help people, and people go, "Look at this kid, man! I love him, and I'm going to help him." And and so, I mean, wherever he went, people were on his side. He was on their side. And I mean, he was on the wrong side of the war. And yeah. you know why? Because he loved those people around him. He didn't, he didn't go, well, I'm going I'm to evaluate this now. I'm thinking I need to be on the union side. He didn't do that. Right. He goes, man, he I love you. To the people. I love you. You've taken care of me. I'm going to take care of you. Let's go to battle. Give me my M16. We're going. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, to me, it's that simple. Yeah. Gifted, loving guy. I, I love the guy. I hear you. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. Don't give Jonathan a chance to come back. <laughs> uh, Clay, what was your favorite story? Favorite story. 
I can't, you can't have a favorite story. What? This it's, is a ridiculous question. It is a ridiculous They're question. They're all great stories. Okay. No, I, I, I like the knee-high orange. I like, uh, it's really hard for me because I know his whole life, but inside of this, inside of this one, um, him, him, uh, Getting in these gunfights was wild. The Ninth Texas Cavalry. I'm, if y'all would have done what I'm doing, I would have been like, nope, just pick one. Yep. I guess it was the Ninth Texas Cavalry. Yeah. There it is. The sugar That's case. really hard to say. You're doing great. Them being at the courthouse in uh, yep. Vicksburg. Man, mm-hmm. that just, story, it feels like it has to be apocryphal, but it's so powerful. Mm-hmm. Like seven Selling horses, mule. six guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's the end of a movie, man. Yeah, there and that's oh, just yeah. the beginning of this oh, movie. Oh my goodness, that is crazy. Yeah, yeah. I wow. think it was it. It to me the this story. What's intriguing about it, and why you you just couldn't you couldn't you didn't want to miss anything is it is complex. There's no. It's he is loyal. People are loyal to him. There's all sorts of subtext around that, and why are they loyal, and what's driving that, and. Is he is he actually free to be disloyal? I mean, there's all sorts right. of questions around it. But at the end of the day, you've got the Texas Ninth Cavalry showing up and a slave master, you know, as and all those things we have appropriately negative thoughts of of these, but these things are still happening to this man, and it does sound like it's a made for movie yeah. story. I mean, it just oh. sounds it's almost yeah. unbelievable. Everything was so complex and, and you can't understand it. I mean, this was an hour long podcast and I mean most people that's all they would know about mm. the story. It was an hour in our commentary on it. But like there's yep. just there was so many complexities. I, even when you Yeah. So many complexities. But no, I, I think I think uh what Jonathan did good and what he said here today and what I wanted to do is not to like basically this idea that this wasn't a Disney story and this guy was living in the midst of a, there of was a some terrible murder. time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so it's easy sometimes to hear the story and just be like, Oh, this guy had a great life. And, you know, and, and when you see some of the other aspects of Holt's life, um, and I mean, we're going to tell them they're in the book there. I think it's going to be tough on Gary. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, it's tough. He's, he wasn't a criminal, but I mean, he just, he, I'll never believe anything other than what I've said here today. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Brent, closing thoughts, and then we got to give Jonathan the closing thoughts. Gary's loyal to Gary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm I'm ready for the I'm ready to get into the hunting part. Yeah, uh, I think it's going to be really intriguing because, I mean, he's he started when he was ten. He's twenty at the end of this podcast. He ought to be. Ripping and rolling in the next one. I'm looking. Yeah, it's cool. Jonathan, thanks for coming up, man. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Really appreciate it. Uh, Give them the social details real quick. How do they find you? Oh, just Black Duck Revival. You can Google it. You can Instagram it. BlackDuckRevival.com? Yep. That's the website. You got any duck hunts, goose hunts this winter you're trying to get rid of? Yeah, I I mean... Got like three or four spots on a hunt uh, at the end of the year for speckle belly December. Geese. Yeah, so it's, I think it's like December thirtieth to January first. Uh, yep, that's what's left. That's the prettiest one, I think. Those, those yeah. speckle belly geese. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. gorgeous. They taste the best. And the flight. I mean, it's just so pretty to watch. Yeah, they're super. Uh, they're super communicative too, right? Mm-hmm. 
So, like, for anybody who's into uh-uh, bird hunting. Uh-uh, uh-uh. <laughs> that sounds more like a turkey. But, you know, I mean, like, if you're, if what you like about turkey hunting is that, that talking to a bird, communicating with a bird, speckle belly geese are great for that because they talk back and forth to you all the way in. Uh, yep. Uh, I'd say, like, if, you know, closing thought uh, one, Gary, I still love you. Uh, but and you know and i guess you know part of me is worried that i'll be labeled a contrarian of some sort but at this point in my life i might have already i think i'm probably wearing that ship sailed (laughs) i'm wearing that badge fairly proudly but uh yeah i would just i would just reassert my thought that what makes the story so fascinating to me is that i think that there are aspects of what everybody in here is relating that are true, right? And that we got a squirrel tree down here. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all watch this. Dance, hush. <laughs> Sorry, Jonathan. Right at the climax <laughs> moment, I took the sting <laughs> out of it, buddy. Uh, <laughs> and I heard that dog barking, and I thought, "There's no way Clay's gonna I let cannot, Jonathan finish his sentence. I mean, he cannot. I, he I cannot. wouldn't even hear what he said." <laughs> Start over, Jonathan. Uh, so sorry. There are elements to what everybody's saying. Yeah, but there, there's there's truth in all of this stuff, right? Uh, I think what I think what we owe to the legacy of Holt Collier is to allow him to be as multifaceted and nuanced as I think he was. Allow his life and his story to exhibit those characteristics, uh, and to continue to talk about him. You know and and to talk about him and discuss him and think about him and look to his example uh, with the nuance that I think he lived his life with. And, I mean, there's stuff for everybody to take something out of this man's story, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so that, w- that would be my closing thought. It's, it, this is not a, again, this is not a binary story, right? This is not a binary discussion. This is a, a super complicated thing. and. And for me personally, that's, those are the kind of people and those are the kind of stories that I feel drawn to. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Perfect. Great conversation, guys. Send your anything you are looking to sell that has to do with Outdoor World to com. Include your social tag. Yeah. Include your, yeah, your social handle. Bear Grease and, uh, Bargain... Bonanza, bargain barn. Yeah, bargain barn bonanza. Uh, <laughs> excellent. I love Thanks, bonanza. guys. Thanks for everybody that dro- drove up here and well, everybody. Everybody, Mi- but yeah, we're just are. like sitting three over here. here. Yeah. yeah. Hey, we're gonna take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me. Enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose Interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today. Maui Nui is on a mission to help balance axis deer populations for the good of our environment, communities, 
and food systems on the island of Maui. They've shared over 126,000 pounds of nutrient-dense protein with the Maui community. Secure your spot now. Become a snack subscriber and join in helping to build more resilient food and ecosystems on Maui. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I-Venison.com. And use promo code BEAR for 20% off your first order.